really get involved on the business side and the, the business side, understanding the esport culture and landscape, but also I think a big issue with the new generation, uh, and I, I fall into that generation. I sound old when I say that, but uh, like Gen Zers, we don't really appreciate how fast technology has grown. Um, and the biggest thing is like job boards is a really, really big one. They don't like, we don't really appreciate the fact that around 20, 2008 was really when online job posting kind of became a thing. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Sporting Global Podcast. And today, I have a very interesting treat for me, Osir, all the way from Canada, actually. And we're going to talk a lot about esports and the book you've been writing on. You know, very interesting book. But first of all, how are you? How's, how's life in Canada? Oh, I'm doing well. Canada Canada has been great. You know, yeah. COVID has been really calmed down. And yeah, it's, it's exciting to see as everything starts to open up where we're going to be going from here. Right, right. No, I mean, like, I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, like, Canada always sounds like an, a nice place. I guess I have to visit it someday. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I, I think, like, you know, it would be interesting before we're diving in, obviously, into the book that you've been, you know, writing and all this stuff. Uh, you know, obviously, the esports career manual, which, which I mean, like, it's a very interesting topic. I think it's like everyone is sort of like, you know, thinking about like how to get into esports. And you essentially wrote like an entire, I guess, manual for it. So, <laughs> Before we, you know, dive into the book, I wanted to just, you know, hear your, where, where did your essentially passion for gaming and, and esports starts? Like, take us, take us through the beginning. Yeah, that is a great question. So as per gaming, I, my older sister received a lot of like, like gaming stations. Like she had the PS2, the PS3, she got Nintendo. She never really played too much, but she got everything. <laughs> and then I ended up playing most of it. In fact, right. I used to fight, fight her to play on her DS and she would take it away just because. Yeah. Uh, and then I would cry until I get it back. But um, there you go. <laughs> so, so I've been always playing games. Gaming never really defined my life until I entered high school where mm. one of my friends introduced me to League of Legends, I'm sure. Yeah, you've played, you've seen, obviously, really big in esports. But ever since I started playing in freshman year, I ended up becoming super involved to the point where I wanted to start something at school because, like, my life was essentially school and gaming. I wanted to see how I can bring gaming into school. Right. I started up an esports club that completely bombed. We started off with 50 people showing up, which was amazing. It clearly shows a demand for people that like gaming, that want to do more stuff in school. But then we, the second meeting we had 15 and the third meeting we had about five, which was like just my friends. And the reason was because the, the first meeting, I basically pitched it as we're going to come here. We're just going to talk about gaming. We're going to watch VODs. Uh, we're going to reflect on our bad mistakes. Um, and people just wanted to play. So yeah. nevertheless, I ended up starting some online tournaments with some friends just because, and the Discord that we had for those 50 people ended up, we ended up posting it there. From there, people actually ended up playing and I, I decided, okay, I wanna start something outside the school where people can play. And I started up a student-run organization called Soliac Association. That mm -hmm. was a big mess and it also kind of failed all around, but uh, it was a really good starting point and a very good educational experience for me getting yeah. into the world of esports. Well, I mean, like, I, I think it's you're touching upon like some some key lessons here of in well of like 
one, you know, just going for things and trying it and, you know, making sure that, you know, just testing, you know, like, oh, this sounds cool. Let's, let's try it. Right. And so the second part is, is as well, like, well, you're learning from your mistakes, you know, like not everything will, will work out, but then learning from that into your next project and, and so forth and so forth. But going a little bit more into your sort of like, I guess, journey with, you know, going into a career in esports and now sort of like into the book take us a little bit you know from from i guess like your your high school initiatives until like you know what your and, and the book that you're writing that you just finished writing now yeah that is a great question so from the point i started off that club around 2017 mm -hmm. and it took me about four years before actually getting a job offer in esports and right. it was a crazy journey. I had no idea what I was doing. I made so many mistakes. As you mentioned, I kept yeah. doing things, doing them poorly, and then messing up and then switching and then doing things and then doing them poorly, not knowing what I was doing, right. why I was doing them and how to do them. So I ended up my first biggest involvement in esports because at the point when I started that student organization, I wanted to run tournaments, but I didn't understand how tournaments worked. And I didn't even realize esports was an industry. It's not something you really see in my my part of part of the city sure. so i ended up joining the high school esports league uh, as an intern from nice. there i really got to see the internal back end of what they're doing ask questions got to learn a tremendous amount so being that involved there was very very helpful yeah. uh, from there i actually wanted to turn soliac association so my student-run organization into a corporation a non-profit corporation mm -hmm. uh, we couldn't incorporate it's funny i was so young i legally could not be on my board of directors so it was, and I was writing my bylaws by hand. I couldn't afford a lawyer or anything. So you knew it wasn't going to work out. Uh, yeah. From there, I went to the first ever post-secondary esports program in North America at uh, Lambton College called Esport Entrepreneurship and Administration. Um, so I went through that program. It was good experience. There were definitely hits and misses within that program. But nevertheless, I started up another club. I, I tried another business venture that also failed. And, but then what really ended up kicking it off for me was I started this blog because when I started Soliac Association, there was no one talking about how to run tournaments and mm. how to make money with tournaments. That was the biggest issue with Soliac is that we made no money and we were never going to make money. I didn't realize how big sponsorship was. I didn't realize the different sources of re revenue. I didn't even know how to set up a tournament. Uh, fun mm. fact, I'd actually, I should send this to you afterwards, but I made my tournaments on paint.exe. That's how we ran all our tournaments uh, for the most part was just some paint. I literally drew it. <laughs> um, so it was funny, That's but awesome. nevertheless, when I started up that blog, I ended up getting traffic and then I got yeah. business owners reaching out to me saying, Hey, uh, can you tell us how to do ABC? I don't understand this. I want to run tournaments. And then one individual kind of came up to me and she said, I want to pay you to do services for me. I was not taking any money at the time. And I told her, I don't want to take money. She's like, no, I want to pay you. Um, I want you to help us set this up. So then that's when I started becoming a B2B consultant. From there, I also joined Lazarus Esports as an intern. And then that internship soon after I ended up getting a job, full-time job offer from them. But at that point, I kind of realized my passions lie with running businesses. And yeah. I really, really enjoyed helping people uh, or helping myself get a job. And I want to help others uh, by right. making this book first. I guess like, you know, you, you've been through a lot of, you know, I guess a big realization and then part of the journey, right? Of like, okay, what do I have to do? Like the, the challenges of entering an industry, right? Which is so young mm -hmm. and so fresh as esports, you know? And, and so there's a lot of key lessons there that, that even like, you know, the people that, you know, if you look at, you know, just the traditional sport industry as well, like, which is kind of young too, in a sense, right? It's, it's yeah. still like people there that are now like, 
well, I didn't even know that esports, you know, was a career option or an opportunity. So even even for them, that is where like know that there's a sport industry is sort of like, well, maybe this is something interesting too. And then there are some different playing rules and some some key lessons to be learned from that as well. And and that brings us obviously to you know the esports career manual, the the book that you've been writing on for for some time, and you're about to release that. So first of all, uh, tell us a little bit about you know. What inspired you to write this book and when exactly is it being released and how can people get their hands on it? Yeah, a hundred percent. So answering the first question, what inspired me after those four years of really trying to land a job, um, I really reflected on where I went right and where I went wrong. And as I mentioned already, I, I went wrong on a lot of different places, right. but I started to like realize that there's certain things that I did that kept repeating and kept being successful. There's certain things I did that were mistakes. And the biggest thing I realized is I never had a direction. I never knew what I was really doing. And I kept just doing random stuff until like nearing the very end when I started getting contracts and actually had to build a sales, uh, you know, funnel and actually understand that there's pieces in terms of the strategy of look locking down a client and actually going through the process with them and then retaining them and understanding that there's a strategy behind actually doing stuff that mm-hmm. i start to realize wait a second there's a lot of strategy when it comes to getting a job but i just had no idea all i right. thought and all i've heard was that you need to go to um, a post-secondary institution get a degree and that's your golden ticket to getting a job there is in fact that's what most people were believing when they joined um, our post-secondary program for esports right as you know that's not really the case in esports is a lot more competitive. Uh, like even in computer science, you would hear that like 60, 70% of the learning is outside the classroom, even for computer scientists in an industry that is begging for a computer scientist, right? Like people need right. computer scientists and think about it from an esport perspective where there's so many people that want to get a job. How in the world are you going to get a um, job in esports if you're not really standing outside and acting with strategy in mind? It, mm-hmm. It's like, I like to put it in the analogy. You've played League of Legends, correct me if I'm wrong. Well, uh, I've seen it, but I, I don't. I haven't really played it, but I know it's a very strategic game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So, like, let's say you were playing League of Legends for the first time, right? right. And you've never played the game before, uh, and you essentially go top lane because everyone's yelling at you, "Go top, go top!" And you're trying to figure out as you play, but you get you keep getting killed. You're trying to figure out how to CS, and by like the 23 minute mark, you're like, "Okay, I'm starting to get it." But by the time you're starting to get it, everyone's like, what are you doing still top lane? Go roll mid lane. And yeah. imagine if you were playing against me, for example, and I was playing Kled. Uh, for the League of Legends players, they would understand Kled's a lot more of a roamy sort of bully champion. If I played Kled and in six minutes, I roll mid. 11 minutes, I go TP bot lane and I snowball my, lane, my team. By 23 minutes, by the time you even start roaming, understanding how to CS, I'm going to be completely dominating the map. And the thing about trying to get a job, it's essentially a game. That's the way I kind of pitched it in the book because it truly is at the fundamentals of it. There's a win condition, there's competitors, there are bosses, there are you know obstacles or side quests. And we can go through that during this right. talk, but essentially you're, you can keep playing this game over and over again and you'll learn a little bit more and more. But what if you just read the book, understood the rules and then played the game, you'll be at a completely different um, standing versus everyone else you know, and you'll crush the competition who don't understand. Yeah, and I mean, like it, it, it's it's sort of like building the frameworks, right, for for success. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, even you know, in esports, but also traditional sports, sort of like you know, they think you know the your 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 degree is sort of like your 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 ticket, as you were saying, and yeah. that is sort of like oh, now you're guaranteed a job. But the, 
you know that's not the reality and then i think a, a lot of the key lessons with with this and especially being you know esports so fresh too is that now people are like oh like they, they also think that well the only way i can you know be involved in esports is become like a professional athlete or maybe like do content creation and streaming right and then but there's an entire industry behind that it's also like understanding that okay that's that's an opportunity there there's there's options there but then once you know that it's sort of like well how do you how do you approach it right and, and that's sort of like what mm -hmm. what the book is i guess uh, going into as well but the, first of all like you know as well uh you know when 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 can people get a hand of the book and, and where yeah 100 percent. so the book will be available on amazon um it will be launched on november 3rd so if you nice. actually join the esport how discord server i'll be notifying everyone there uh, that's the only funnel system i have right now for the book so if you just uh like if you're interested right now because by the time my understanding is by the time this comes out the book won't be out just yet so just join the discord and you'll get a notification it'll be on amazon and um, if you buy it in the first three days uh, first off the book like the kindle version is going to be 99 cents for the initial launch and you'll get some additional benefits i'll be mentioning on the server so if you want to read it and i highly recommend you do if this is your interest then get it earlier rather than later for sure for sure no i mean like that's that's a great offer and, and once you have the link as well we can you know update it in the in, in all the in in the description of the of the youtube video here so people can awesome. you know, click on it for sure and get their hands on it but um obviously you know you, you talked a little bit about like what, what inspired you you know kind of like you know what what the purpose is behind the book and i wanted um you know to know a little bit more about like who exactly is the book targeted towards and if you can give us a little bit taste of what i guess people can expect from the book a little bit sort of like i guess the the storyline the different parts that you're sort of like going through here uh through all the different chapters i think that would be you know amazing for people to to get yeah. a better picture of what they're going into yeah, so the book is targeted towards me, um, rather me four years in the past. So yeah. very specifically students that are looking to get a job in esports, possibly someone that's leaving high school or that's in university. That's my main demographic. Not to say that other people wouldn't be benefiting from the book, but as soon as you open it, you'll start to really realize it's very targeted as if you're that individual, as if you were me four years in the past, because right. that is the perspective I best to speak at because that was me and I went through this journey. Right. And I really understand that demographic. As per the the flow of the book, I actually broke it up into four sections and this took forever to build out. There's so many different iterations, but I realized this was the best way to kind of put it together. Mm -hmm. So the first section I'm referring to as the tutorial, essentially preparing you to understand the risk involved in esports and the things you, the decisions you need to make, the key early decisions you need to make in order to get a job in esports. So right. what pathway are you going to be going in, in terms of um, like, what kind of skill are you bringing to the table? Why do you even need to define a skill? What are some key issues that people made at the start of their career that they need to quickly rectify? How to um, understand the different pathways to get in, a job in esports. People mm -hmm. don't understand that there's essentially eight different ways to get into the esport industry. Six of them are open to entry-level workers and of those three of them are specifically targeted towards jobs. And there's three others that can do alternative means, but really understanding those principles is what we start off with in, in the book. And then the second, sec 
Second section is where you start the gameplay because again, getting into esports is like a game right. where you're starting at level one. You have no portfolio, no experience. I hate the saying. People say, "How do I get experience if I don't have experience?" Um, because I can't get a job which would give me experience. That's not true at all. There's right. so many different ways, and I basically go through the book how you can start building those experiences, jumping from opportunity to opportunity to push yourself, and then also build the fundamentals of like you know your value of the things you'll need to get a job and really building the mindset, the connections, the relationships. Mm -hmm. The third section of the book is called the final boss, final boss fight, where we go through, okay, now you're ready. You're leveled up enough. You have a strong enough portfolio. At least you believe so to right. move on to actually getting the job. What is it? What does it take? So I break down six chapters. Each chapter is a corresponding class. And we just go dive deep into the specifics of what you need to do and, and to consciously move to get a job. A lot of people subconsciously um, don't try to get a job until they graduate and then just apply to a bunch of jobs and complain, why am I not getting any offers? This is right. so unfair. But if you're consciously moving specifically while you're in university mm -hmm. um, or college or high school, that's going to be your best ticket to succeed. Right. And then we end off the book with a shorter section, just talking about what do you do after you land the job, or maybe you didn't land the job. What do you do from there? And then kind of also bring a little bit more perspective on what happened for me at the end of my journey. That's awesome. And I think like, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, what you touch upon there as well is, is. The, almost like the earlier you can start, you know, guiding yourself a little bit and, and doing some of those, you know, key steps in a sense to help you, you know, prepare for, you know, the day you graduate or like whatever is like starting early is like, you know, is a key, key essence, especially in sports and esports, you know, because it, it is a very attractive industry. And I think it separates it from many other industries as well, because it's, it's also in the, in the place where there's no, um, how can I say, like, if you're studying esports, you know, as you did, like esports administration and entrepreneurship, right? I mean, like, what are you becoming, right? I mean, like, there, there, there's a full, you know, range of opportunities there and things that you can do. So it, it also like puts you in a position where you kind of like have to understanding, okay, what, what does the market look like? What is my, you know, options? How can I kind of like, you know, find my pathway in that and so having a manual or a guide you know or, or a gameplay you know to go through that you know it's it's going to be you know extremely key and i i love your references and those sort of like you know starting a new game right because i mean you have to learn how it works and the earlier you can kind of like understand the rules and the elements the better you're going to be and so and then learning to to play it and practicing every day that goes back to also like yes you can take your degree and you know, sit in school and, and wait till the day you graduate, or you can do these little things that are gonna help you to enhance your skills. So when you're you know already to that next steps, you're you're much more prepared. And um, I wanted to talk a little bit about like you know you have one section where you talk about how to level up. Um, and what what is some key information and what are, what are some depth you're, you're, you're uh, you know, trying to explain here on how to sort of like leveling up yourself in, I guess, in, in the game sense, but also like in, 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 in life as a, as a student trying to kind of like find your uh, career path in esports. Yeah, a hundred percent. So in terms of leveling up first, we have to kind of understand the leveling up system in, right. in this game. And there's something that I learned from a book called Unscripted, but it's just a general marketing principle where sure. people don't buy what is what the value of something really is. It's mm -hmm. the value they perceive of something. That's like when you're selling, you don't sell the hammer, you sell the nail, or you don't sell the you don't sell the drill, you sell the hole. 
uh, sort of a deal where you're, you're right. selling what the opportunity is for the person. You're selling what they perceive to be the value. Likewise, the same thing happens when you're hiring people. You are essentially hiring someone based on what you perceive them to be val or valued at and what you perceive them to be able to do, not what they actually can do. So like if you're the best sponsorship recruiter in the world, but your only experience is like um, doing sponsorship acquisition for your middle school, you know, club. If I, if you came to me and I was hiring for a sponsorship acquisition position, then I would see you as unvaluable versus a person that might have 10 years of experience. Maybe they're not really that skilled at all, but they just got carried by their team or were part of their family business or whatever it was. They will look a lot more valuable, even though they might not have a lot of value. So first understanding that there's actual value and then there's perceived value and then understanding different things provide you different um, amounts of XP. And then those things the value of that changes over time, just like how you're playing a normal game. When you're level one, building you know, an initial drawing is going to provide you so much experience. You're going to level up several times. But if you're level 30, you know, doing the same thing is not going to help you. And this is the biggest thing that I see on the grassroots level is people mm. would run tournaments. And I did the same thing. I'm a victim of this. Um, and when I say victim, it was my own, obviously, right. self-sabotage. But the point is, is that I would do the same tournaments again and again. I'm like, okay, I'm preparing myself to get a job in esports. Let's run this 25 man tournament. Okay, that was good. Let's run this next 25 man tournament. Okay, League of Legends was fun. Let's go to Apex. Okay, let's go back to our League of Legends. Let's keep running it again and again and again. There you go. I'm, I'm basically, and then people tend to do this as a psychological trick. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, remember when COVID hit, people ended up buying a bunch of toilet paper. People are trying to um, essentially do anything to make themselves feel secure and make them feel like they're actually putting in um, effort to protect their security. Likewise, when people are running multiple tournaments that are very much doing the same thing, they're, they're diluting themselves, they're tricking themselves to say, okay, I'm working hard. I deserve a job in esports. And the reality is you're doing the same thing. You're in your comfort zone. You're not really building experience. It's like, if you're level 30 and you're killing that level three mob again and again and again, you're only going to get so much experience. It's not going to help you. You have to go for that bigger fish, that bigger tournament that bigger experience, that bigger, you know, difficulty. So what I really specify in the book is first off, understanding what people are looking for in terms of your ancestry. And when I say ancestry, it's, we talk about this in the tutorial, which is your career path, your skill set, whatever you're going to be working on, mm -hmm. looking at actually what companies want, and then making a list of that, looking at what was most requested, and then working specifically to do it. And also on the soft skill side, because people don't realize um, I, I believe the metric is 86% of hiring men or 77% of hiring managers care for soft skills as much as hard skills, 16% care for soft skills more than hard skills. In fact, um, I believe it's about 36% of hiring managers only really care about your uh, previous experiences. Right. It's more so what you communicate and how you communicate it and your confidence and, you know, just mm -hmm. how you hold yourself in your portfolio that they care for more. So right. really actually pushing yourself on the soft skill side as well. Like purposely, my, my advice is purposely create bad situations because when you're going to go into hiring uh, process, there's a common practice known as a car strategy where they will ask you a question. Then they're looking for a narrative. They're looking for the problem you're in how you dealt with the problem, how you solved it, and what was the outcome. If you can purposely put yourself in hard situations where the narrative sounds good, and then you're able to actually do it. Like I'm not prescribing to lie. I'm prescribing to yeah, actually yeah. put yourself in hard situations where you literally go through it and then you literally achieve. And the best part is if you fail, you're able to rectify it. And um, because you can redo it rather, and then learn from your previous experience, experiences and do it better the next time right. and while you're doing that collect data collect as much data as you can so you can quantify everything so at, mm -hmm. that means doing a bunch of surveys to your team like let's say you're a team manager 
and you're trying to say how you had a leadership position where you did well, get metrics of how satisfied people were before, go through an experience, see how well they're satisfied afterwards. You can see if the afterwards metrics were good or if the increase was good. And then using those metrics, if you go into an interview and said, my team was 63% more satisfied with my performance after going through that team building exercise or whatever the situation is, it's like it, a hiring manager is going to see like, how'd you get that data? Like, what are you doing? And then you can explain yourself. It's right. It's going to come off as really smart, um, very strategic, and they're going to start to get a sense that this guy knows what he's doing. He knows what he's uh, been doing for the past, right. you know, time. And, and it all essentially comes back to like, you know, the 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 the, the skill and and the opportunity of reflecting, you know, over what you're doing, which I think is like a very key lesson there because you were talking a lot about okay, people tend to sort of like you know repeat, you know, the the, the same thing because it's sort of like it works but it doesn't mean it's better or it's it's great right it's just okay well it was okay like it was fine let's let's just you know we can do the same thing but then it's like well how can you level up you know how can you enhance that how can you improve that and so being able to reflect whether it's going good or whether it's going bad i think that's also a key thing is that you can have a great event or you can do a great thing but like how do you make it better you know like how can you enhance it so and, and like you even see that in traditional business, right? Where, um, you know, companies are are doing great, right? They're like having their market, they're, they're doing excellent. And then you start like coming in a position where suddenly there's a startup or a new idea just taking over the market. And they're like, whoa, what, what happened, right? Because they were so comfortable in that position and not thinking new or innovative. Like even if they were doing, you know, well, but somebody else are like, well, here's a way we can capitalize. And that kind of like goes back again to like, you know, leveling up and what you're talking about in the book and sort of like always being able to reflect and working on, okay, how do I, you know, enhance my skill set and how do I angle it so I can bring those experiences, you know, in that interview and so forth. Um, and and there, there's, there, there's obviously one section as well where we talk about sort of like the, the different mini bosses. And I think like from everyone that has sort of like been, you know, playing games are, are used to, you know, fighting some sort of bosses at, at some level. I mean, like I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty, you know, uh, zombies. So there's, there's a lot of bosses there. I don't know if you're familiar, but, but uh, regardless of that, um, let's, let's talk a little, a little bit about the, the mini bosses that you're mentioning here in the book. And, and I guess like what kind of challenges can people expect when they're going into the sport industry? Yeah. So the mini bosses, those were specifically more interested and come up with, right? Because when you think of a mini boss, you're thinking of like, like you mentioned like zombies, right? You have a wave come in you have to defeat the boss and then you move on. And then it's, you know, a new set of challenges are coming your way. Right. And when I really reflected on it, i initially the first iteration of the book, I had it structured as such, or, or at least the first iteration where I had a gamification element to it, mm -hmm. had it as such where it's like, okay, you have to write you know, maybe, maybe it was like the resume and then you get a good resume down and then you pass that mini boss sort of thing. But then I realized that that's not really what holds people back. That's not really what um, is the key problems that are actually are the mini bosses before entering the final boss. Right. It's all self-sabotage or self-induced related issues. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the reason why this is, is because when you're looking to get an entry-level job, the companies that are looking to hire, you want, you want people that can overcome these sort of barriers and have been overcoming them so they're able to benefit off the you know roi that comes off of overcoming these so like the six that 
I put in the book and there's likely more, but these are the key six ones that I've noticed. And for each of them, I've, uh, I've seen it literally firsthand either through myself or through others where they made mistakes and they completely hurt them drastically. And if you can overcome these by first acknowledging them and then taking action to overcome them, you're going to be on a completely different ball game. And honestly, if you just put in the work after acknowledging these six, I think you're in a um, completely different, like, like it's almost inevitable for you to get a job as long as you're putting in some time. The first yep. one is uh, mismatch expectations. Again, I, the post-secondary institution never guaranteed you a job. They said you can have this diploma. That's all you're doing there. People, a lot of times people misunderstand the ROI that they're actually going to get, what the return is from going to post-secondary. There is a lot of perceived value. It is not a job. Yep. Um, second one is not working because other things are more fun. That is fairly self-explanatory. I love gaming. I, I big big fan of you know gaming and just going on twitch and stuff and i'm not against that whatsoever the point is though is while during these initial years when you're in school and people are spending so much every night essentially i remember in dorm everyone would party every single night and it's like do you not have something better to do with your time and the issue with that and i'm not going to dwell on this for too long right but the issue is that there's no consequences con consequences for your actions until four years or until two years or until one year however long you're taking that program and because you're getting paid off all your debt or at least you're building up debt but you're getting all these grants and then you're not doing anything in the real world so you feel and you don't realize that until you get hit afterwards and that's why the unemployment rate in the u.s is like 30 plus percent i might be off 30 plus percent when you graduate for the first year and it tapers off a lot more, but that becomes back to the issue of people trying to get a job uh, right after graduating instead of before, but nevertheless, they're going to get a job after they graduate. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And they're not even refining the skills that they're able to bring to the marketplace. Right. right. But then the third issue is fear of failure. Uh, this actually reminds me of a very specific story that I outlined in the book where I had a friend, I, I was, when I started becoming a consultant, I was a leader uh, in a, a lot of different positions and different volunteering opportunities that I needed to withdraw from. And I really struggled to fill those leadership positions. But I remember this one conversation with a friend, a friend that I, I still talk to and is an awesome guy, but he told me that he didn't, I, I basically told him why he should take the volunteer or the leadership position. Cause I think it's really going to help him. And he told me that he's afraid of letting the team down and he's afraid of messing up. And in my head, all I was thinking was he has no idea how bad it was for me. My first club failed, my first business failed, my second business failed. Everything I do kind of always fails. Um, and it isn't to say I'm a failure per se, but the point is, is that you have to go through these failures to learn, right? So fear of failure is massive. Uh, long-term sacrifice for short-term gain. This is also a really big cohort of people, not super big in esports, but it still is a big problem where people like, I, I scuff at the idea or the concept where people are like, I'm not taking an internship unless I get paid. It's like, just take the internship because the few hundred or few thousand dollars aren't as worth it. Like I wouldn't even try to fight for one. If there's payment, I'm not going to argue it, but I wouldn't look mm -hmm. for one necessarily because the ROI short-term is nice, but the long-term you're sacrificing too much. Thankfully people in grassroots don't make that distinction because they're, they're okay working for free. They love it. Right. But their issue is the uh, fifth mini boss, which is mi misevaluated uh, opportunity costs. So by doing this thing over and over and over again, like doing their, not pushing themselves out of their comfort zone, they're wasting time and effort and energy, as you mentioned, where they could be doing something to top up what they did last time or pushing themselves to do a new experience and they're losing that opportunity and they're not really realizing what they're losing. And then the sixth one, which is one I actually got recommended to um, incorporate, which was burnout and health mismanagement, which is something definitely hit me multiple times after doing a lot 
being very careful in how you balance stuff, how you feel confident in your ability to do everything and managing stress is also a really big thing for students. No, for sure. And I mean, like, I think you're tackling a lot of, you know, key bosses here. And, and, I, and there was one, obviously, you know, that uh, I think is important for, for people as well, because they're looking at, you know, traditional sports like esports, and what they see is like, they see the biggest streamers, they see the biggest teams, and they're thinking like, oh, like, look at all those partnerships, look at all like those, you know, flashy stuff they're getting, like, they must be rich, they must be, I mean, like, of course, some of them are, but then it's like, you know, that's, a very small percentage they are doing extremely well and then you know and again like where are these money being allocated and you kind of like coming in you know it's like i even remembered uh you know from so obviously i'm the region you know i think most of my audience <laughs> know, know that by now of course but you know like i i did my you know undergrad in, in norway like in sport management i got like a job offer after here you know actually a pretty good good good, good job. And like, you know, decent salary and everything. And I was like, cool, you know, like, that's great. But I, I said, like, I want to, I want to do something more. So I went to the U S instead, you know, and I, I, I went to like, I took my master there. And, and so going into the U S I knew, okay, well, I kind of have to start from scratch because it's a new market. You know, I, I don't know anyone here, even if it's, even if it's my master's degree, it's still like, I have to understand how the market works before I can kind of like, you know, I have to build my way up. So, you know, mm -hmm. one of the, what a first thing I did, I volunteered, you know, like, and, and like, I, I got offered like a director job, like in Norway in the sports club. So it's not like, it's not like I wasn't experienced. Right. But I knew like, okay, I have to start from the scratch coming into this market because I don't know how it works. It's new for me. So, and, and that, that kind of like goes with expectation and people kind of like coming into an industry where like, you have to start from the ground. You have to build your way up and understanding. And so, you know, I, I did like, you know, volunteering and then, you know, just focus on, okay, what is the best possible job I can do for where I'm working at and try to soak in as much knowledge as I can. So I can, you know, get and, and leveling up to like, whether that's like an internship, which was my next step. Right. And the first internship I had was unpaid, you know, and I was traveling from like San Francisco to Berkeley every day for like half a year unpaid, you know, it's like, pulling me money but i was awesome. like okay but it's gonna pay off you know like it's part of that journey and then you know after six seven months they offered me a paid internship because i was doing good so i was like okay cool now i'm leveling up and so you keep kind of like doing that and at the end of like you know my time i had like you know three four different jobs that i was working in like paying me because i created value over time and i built my way up to understanding okay what can i do what kind of skill set do i need and how do i you know work in this market. And I think people need to understand that it's, it's not just kind of like going into the industry and say like, Oh, I'm, I'm getting a full-time job or I'm, you know, getting this and I'm going to get paid. Like it's a very competitive industry. And what it starts with is creating value. And if you can deliver value, your, your, you will get the benefits back, you know, it's going to pay off, but that's what your focus should be, you know, creating value. And so I just wanted to bring that in as a, as a personal story as well, because yeah. I think it's important and to, to touch upon. And the thing, the thing is about your story is that you're an assassin, uh, at least in the book, uh, as there are six classes, the, the gameplay that you're describing right here is the assassin chapter where you infiltrated a company, you already have these relationships and there's expectations upon you and you have some ability to, you know, work with them and work on different projects. And now you're providing so much value that they saw, Hey, this it's worth it. We will make more money by paying this guy to be in our organization than we would if we put that money elsewhere. So yeah, a hundred percent by providing more value 
uh, is really essentially, you know, putting yourself in a position where a company wants to pay you. The biggest thing that people also don't realize where I think you really hit on like on, on the nail, nail on the head with this one is that companies pay aren't essentially made there to provide jobs. Companies are made to make money. Businesses are made to make money. Mm -hmm. So they're going to only pay you if you're going to make them more money than they are going to pay, pay you. Like your, your salary should be below how much you generate for the company. So by providing more value, uh, it's going to be super beneficial. But I, I just thought it was super cool that you your class is an assassin class. <laughs> well, I, I mean, like I can vouch by being an assassin. I, I'm also a fan of the Assassin's Creed game. So I mean, like that's let, let's just say that that works well. <laughs> but uh, but but to so like wrap up here a little bit with, uh, you know, a final question we tend to ask sort of like the the, the, the listeners here, like it's a lot of, you know, young students, sport professionals that are, are you know, interested in esports now and are trying to break in. And, and I guess like, you know, you have a lot of like a lot of tips, a lot of, you know, advice in this book and a little bit, you know, step by step here. But if, if you could sort of like have, I guess, like, you know, one or two, you know, that you really want to push out right now at the end. Um, that you would recommend, you know, for sports students and professionals looking for a career in esports. Like, what, what, what would you sort of like highlight and bring out at the end here? Yeah, I will bring. Yeah, I want to provide two because they're both really valuable. Um, so the first one would be, especially for sports students, but just anyone in general, you need to understand the esport ecosystem and the business side of it, because like. A, a big issue with the employment side of esports right now, especially on the higher skilled end, mm -hmm. is that they're skilled workers, but they're not, they don't understand the ecosystem or the culture. Like if you think of sales, sponsorship, marketing, those three are very obvious how you can see an industry that was pioneered by esport enthusiasts, by gamers, mm -hmm. has a very different culture when it comes to sales, sponsorship, marketing, um, right. how, you know, the production is built out and the um, culture, just generally the business culture as well. So by really understanding um, the esport business scene, and that means going to a bunch of networking events and, you know, speaking to people, that means um, watching a bunch of videos on the business side, not even a lot of people are good at watching the consumer side, but it's super important to understand on the business side, what's going on. What are these like actual conversations? What are these interactions? And the more you can actually a really smart strategy is never, if you're going to do anything for work, never don't always boast about it. Because if you go, if, if I'm a hiring manager, right. And let's say you had an interview and then I go to your LinkedIn or I go to your social media, because um, I believe it's eight out of 10 or it's seven out of 10. Um, so hiring managers will look at your social media to try to see a reason for why they shouldn't hire you. So I'd say, let's play it around and let's turn your social media into a reason why you're better than the competitor. Like if they're checking your social media, they're probably comparing you to a few other people. Let's turn it into something that will make them want to hire you. But if they go to your social media and, or yeah, if they go to your social media and they see like you said, oh, I'm going to this networking event tonight. Oh, I'm so excited to meet XYZ at, you know, XYZ event. Oh, I just watched this podcast. It was very interesting. That esports business issue was ABC. Like if you can like just boast about it, not even for the people that you're following, for the hiring manager that's going to look at your account afterwards, because they're going to be like, wow, this guy is involved. He loves the industry. This is what he's doing during his free time. When we hire him and groom him and train him and get him into the position that we want him to be in, he's already going to be doing this on his free time. He's already going to be pushing beyond the limit. So um, the one key thing is to really get involved on the business side and the, the business side, understanding the esport culture and landscape. But also, I think a big issue with the new generation, uh, and I, I fall into that generation, I sound old when I say that, 
but uh, like Gen Zers, we don't really appreciate how fast technology has grown. Um, and the biggest thing is like job boards is a really, really big one. They don't like, we don't really appreciate the fact that around 20, 2008 was really when online job posting kind of became a thing, 2013, somewhere around there. So it's super recent, but the cause and effect with that was insane. Like it's hard to even fathom the fact that people used to apply through like newspapers and they had to like cut out the little thing and then go to the place and hand their resume it is a completely different ball game but the game because of that has completely changed i like to say that applying through traditional means has been nerfed to the ground because they get so many applications they spend hiring managers spend about six seconds looking at you know actual resumes and they spend four of those seconds looking at your name your location the companies you work for and the years that you work for and your education they spend four of your seconds looking at that they're not looking at your bullet points not looking at your volunteering opportunities per se they're looking at the companies the status of the companies because if they look at the status of the companies they know okay if this company accepted this guy he must be worth interviewing to say the least but like those are things you really can't control uh outside of who you volunteer with but like when you make the resume so um understanding that oh another key point that i'll, I'll end this off on is 85 percent of jobs go to people that aren't 85% of jobs go through other means of getting a job. So one out of 12 jobs essentially go to people that apply on job posts. 80 or 11 of those jobs go to people that are have networks like yourself that infiltrated a company and provided value or that go through a contract and again, provide value enough to be hired. That's where all the jobs are going. Hiring traditionally is like the worst way or applying traditionally is the worst way to get a job. And by really appreciating that fact and understanding, okay, there's other ways to do this. I have to play this game in a different way. It's really going to show you like a tremendous amount of success as you move in your career. Right. No, I mean, like there's, there's some really good, uh, you know, key, key lessons there that I think, you know, people should, should take from this podcast. And, you know, if there's some more they want to know, of course they can always, you know, check out the, the book fully and, uh, learn more and i'm sure they can also reach out to you and and i mean like i think it's very important that you you touch upon you know uh just just how the job market has been done right for for a long time in terms of how people are recruiting and i guess like obviously that's why sporting global exists so we're shaking the things up and making sure that you know it's a little bit easier for for the students out there to to find relevant opportunities and getting matched you know with with organizations so we're balancing out hopefully a little bit that you know 80 86 <laughs> percent you know so it creates more more effort but you still have to do that job you know that you're talking about it's still extremely key and and a key effort of you know bringing and preparing yourself for a successful career you know it starts with like taking all the steps guiding your pathway and and yeah make sure to check out the book and if you've been through the podcast all the way up to here you know make sure to like the video maybe write in the comments what kind of esport organization or what kind of role you want to do as well and then we'll we'll take a look at that and maybe there's some interesting you know stuff we can we can learn from it so with that Sarah, i'd like to thank you you know so much for for joining us for taking the time for sharing your story and your upcoming book that is going to be really released very soon uh it was a pleasure having you here and uh, i don't know if you have any final remarks final remarks i guess my biggest thing is really like you get into esports because of the passion of it like try to avoid being discouraged um uh, of the 
the negativity that you will definitely get from people that are in your sphere, people like that are seeing you, like under, like they just like how you might misunderstand esports, they very much misunderstand esports. So don't let that negativity hold you back. But nevertheless, thank you so much for having me on. This was an amazing experience, and I'm hope your audience got a ton of value out of this. Absolutely, I'm hundred percent sure of it. And we have a very you know classic tradition here in the, the Sporting Global podcast. So we have to finish up with the learning you some of the region. <laughs> I don't know if you're ready for that, but uh, with every every video we do, we always finish with the snuckis, which means see you later in the region. So that's what you gotta say. Oh no! <laughs> oh, <laughs> on the spot. V Snuckus. There you go. Nice job. There you go. You know, it's not that hard, you know? <laughs> that was the scariest part of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you, you, you did great. You did great. All right, Asir. Thank you so much and enjoy enjoy your rest of your day. And we'll uh, we'll talk very soon. Okay, take care. Bye-bye.